Hey guys, and welcome to Hunting Land, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you'd like to stay up to date on hunting tactics, land management, land values, and land market dynamics, this is the podcast for you. This week's show is brought to you by Fatanis Defense. Fatanis, masters of darkness. Fatanis is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles, built around the Fatana 16mm filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and their hybrid filmless 18mm image intensifier tubes. These ultralight, ultra-compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo, and best overall performance and function of any night vision system available. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Patanus Defense, Masters of Darkness. And also brought to you by Alabama Farmers Co op. From backyard gardening to large scale farming and everything in between, your local co op has what you need to be successful. Since 1936, Alabama Farmers Cooperative has provided high quality products and friendly service to community members and local farmers. With over 60 locations to serve you and 85 years of experience, you can count on the co-op. For more information and to find a location near you, visit www.alafarm.com. I'm your host, Joe Byer, here today with my co-host, Clint Flowers. And today, Clint, it's just going to be me and you, man. We're going to be talking about something that uh, we're hearing a lot about and a lot of people have questions about, and, and that is inflation and how land land by type and different types of land um really stack up in terms of trying to beat inflation as an investment that's a that's a common thing you know somebody's got some money that they need to invest what do i do with it because they know if they leave it parked in their bank account uh it's just not going to be worth as much a year from now as it is today so you've got a little bit of experience about this i mean we've talked about you know what we do in the land business, but tell everybody a little bit about your educational background, you know, before you got into the land business. So my degree and, and background is in investment management, finance. Uh, I was headed towards the commercial banking world before I took this uh, detour, I guess you'd say that I stuck with for 20 years. But since I got into this business, you know, my goal was not only to be a broker, but also a land owner and a land investor. So it's, it's, understanding how to do that and the and the basics of this is how i not only succeed in brokers because i help people achieve their goals you know but i'm also doing it myself so i i I understand people's concerns i understand the risk uh and the payoffs so you know it's something that i've really dug into for the last 20 years well we're not going to become investopedia overnight but what we will talk about is just kind of get us all on the same page at least for the purposes of today's discussion so you know when we're talking about inflation what what is it and and why does it happen well you just asked me to explain a major economic principle but uh typically the uh cost of an asset moves inversely with the cost of money and what we've seen the last few years is the cost of money went way down along with inventory going way down. And that's not just in land, that was in real estate as a whole. So you had an extreme amount of competition due to low interest rates over a very limited amount of inventory. And we saw what happened to the you know automotive market for new cars and used cars, boats, anything we can think of. We, we saw these 
market shifts that just defied logic. I mean, it's the first time that I've ever seen you'd be able to sell a, a used boat at a profit over what you paid for it new. Uh, same thing with vehicles. I just, you know, never expected to see that. It was just extreme, you know, and I've heard about that period of time in the eighties from my parents, my whole life, you know, when the savings and loan crash occurred, we, we, you know, saw similar things. Luckily we've not seen it to that extreme, but that's in summary, what happened for the most part, you know, we are lucky that we didn't see the extreme jumps in the land market land prices that we did at, you know, beachfront properties or single family homes. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of reasons why it happens, and it's not always the same reasons every time, but the reality is that it is happening. And then as a, a land buyer, as a land seller, as an investor, whatever you, whatever you uh, lump yourself into, you need to be able to protect against it. You're you're trying to beat it because a dollar today is not going to be going to buy you as much goods and services as it will a year from now. Uh, that's, that's the basics of it. If you just park it there. So we know mathematically that inflation, inflation is eroding our cash. One question becomes then if you currently have a loan on your land and you have cash to invest, you know, a lot of people are dealing with that. They've got this lump of money. They need to put it somewhere, not in a savings account. Do you think it's better to remain leveraged to counteract that inflation or to go ahead and pay it off? You know, as most things I've ever answered on this show, it depends, in my opinion. So I think there's a balance to be had. Some people are highly debt averse, which I was growing up and uh, have been most of my career that if you could get rid of a loan, get rid of it. Well, that was before they started giving money away at, you know, two and a half, three percent or less. So I think there's a balance to be had, I think. And with, with the market we've got now, you know, my goal personally is to stay fairly liquid so that I can capitalize on opportunities. Uh, and that may be actual liquid cash or that may be uh, have properties that are paid off, have a line of credit on those. Uh, if you've got an investment account, have a liquid asset line on those. Like um, I know several, I've got one at Morgan Stanley, but other companies offer those too to where your collateral is actually your investment portfolio and it's not tied to the real estate at all, all those kind of things. So you have the ability to service debt, take on new debt or pay cash for things or at that or cash equivalent. And that way you're able to really jump on any opportunities that arise, but also not pay all that debt down to where you're, you know, real estate or land rich and cash poor. Right. Expecting, you know, and we can't go back can't in time. I mean, if people would, would say, well, you know, when it was 3% interest rates, when you should have borrowed, you know, and now with inflation being where it is, uh, you'd be making money. But if we expect that inflation is going to get worse and somebody's in the market to buy more land, do you think it's better to use a loan in those scenarios, even at the rates we have today? I think so. I mean, everything is site specific. I mean, I just did one. I've got a 7% loan right now on land. And I did a line of credit that I, that I actually I had a mortgage on this piece of property that I used a line of credit on. I paid off 3.1% locked in for 30 years, which, I, you know, my, my debt averse self was like patting myself on the back. Well, I'd love to have that cash back right now because I just borrowed it back at 7%. So I look mm-hmm. like a, a real genius. But the opportunity that I'm utilizing that for makes it worth it. Right. And, you know, that's what I'm focused on. It's not getting so hung up in the fine print of the details that I miss out on, on opportunities to invest. Uh, now that's not going to work on every deal. 
you know, so it's important to be working with somebody who understands what they they're looking at and what they can show you as to why it makes sense on this one and not on that one over there. But if you've got something well stocked, just talking about timberland, then even at 7%, if it's growing well, it's well stocked, you know, you're going to be still meeting or exceeding that just in pure growth rate, uh, or if not very close to it. And when you consider product change, you're definitely beating it. So on top of that, you still get to hunt on it, fish on it, recreate on it, enjoy your family, you know, activities on it, you know, so there's a lot of value beyond just that rate of return. Like you said, you got to take a look at the specific opportunity and see if it makes sense. Not everything's going to make sense. And that's real estate period all the time, right? I mean, we're constantly looking at it saying, does this, is this a go right now in this market with the way things are? If you're a, a landowner right now, and maybe you're thinking about selling, or maybe you're thinking about buying more land, what's your advice right now for, for those landowners? If I'm a seller right now and I've been thinking about selling and now I'm worried that I missed my window, uh, you have not. Even though the cost of money has gone up, you know, what I'm seeing in the market is that there's still such low inventory that there's a lot of competition and demand. So it's still a great time to sell. You know, if I'm a buyer, which I'm, you know, I'm all of these all the time, uh, as much as I uh, financially can be. And we work with these all the time on, on both every side of the fence from buyer sellers to pure investors. Then again, you're looking for those opportunities. If, if I can take, you know, asset A, sell it at a strong price, given the demand we've got and, you know, either take that and take my chips off the table and go to cash and wait on other opportunities, do that. Or if I'm going to 1031 exchange, we're going to go into a Delaware statutory trust that's paying big cash on cash returns, anything like that, that I'm moving forward with, then I need to look at it. If I'm going to be making a lateral move, then my concern is if if I'm making a lateral move, is it still benefiting me in some way where I've got a more liquid version of that same value? So if you're, you know, aging and you're, you don't want to be locked into a lot of real estate, which is fairly illiquid or very illiquid compared to cash or equities, then maybe that's the move you want to make. Uh, even if it's not some big cutthroat return or you've got a family situation with a lot of co-owners or heirs, you know, things like that. But even on, but just generally speaking on the the strength of the market as a seller, it's still very, very strong. We're talking about buyers. One of the things that kind of sticks out to me, you know, I always like to be fair and say like pros and cons. If we're talking about buying land as, as a method of beating inflation, right? We're going to move this money in into land uh, so that it doesn't, erode in our savings account. Uh, one of the scenarios that can play out uh, that can be a challenge is if you don't have a lot of investment capital, you know, if you're sitting on five or $10,000, uh, land can be a, a bigger upfront buy-in than say taking that $10,000 and going and putting it in, you know, to the stock market or something like that. Um, are there any other challenges in terms of using land investments to beat inflation? And, and do you have anything to combat the challenge that, that I just brought up? Are we using debt in your example? You tell me. Well, I mean, that's the one component that, you know, may move the needle to some extent. But I think, again, as long as you buy something that's well-stocked and growing, then you're it's a worst-case scenario. You've got a flatline carrying cost, even though you are paying it, in my opinion, because whenever you go to sell it, it's going to be worth more. Uh, then you've got general appreciation on the on the land. And if you buy in the right area... You've got, you know, stronger appreciation rates, you know, areas that are just 
always in high demand, no matter what's going on in the economy. And that's typically tied to in rural areas, tied to recreation and hunting and more urban areas is tied to, you know, areas of growth, you know, those, those paths of development and new schools and sewer and everything else that if you know how to buy out in front of those, uh, when that market gets there, uh, you'll see tremendous return. It's about understanding the market, working with somebody that can explain these things to you, being strategic in what you buy, understanding that not all pine plantation is the same, not all soils are the same, not all locations are the same. So you can't just jump on the internet and shop for land the way you shop for white socks on Amazon. Uh, They may all look like white socks in the ad, but they're all different. Uh, And some are better than others and, you know, lands the same way. And so just because one has pine plantation and, and good access does not make it equitable to the other one that does. And, you know, you get what you pay for many, many times. So you've got to be careful when you make this kind of jump. And then on top of that, like I said, if you're going with debt, you need to be able to service that debt, understand that you, what your investment horizon is here. You know, when things stabilize and we expect rates to come down some, you can always refi out of it and go down, recast it, whatever the bank will allow you to do. The other thing I've been doing uh, when like on this 7% debt, I've got some cash. Well, I've got an investment account at Morgan Stanley that's paying it's three and a half, four percent right now on cash. So I'm putting, you know, not necessarily an equitable amount in there, but a good amount in there. So for that amount of money, I really don't have a 7% loan. I'm arbitraging that to an extent and reducing my effective rate down to around 3% on that money. So now I'm back to the same level I was, you know, prior to these big rate hikes utilize that i'm still able to maintain pretty good liquidity and utilize debt uh, and lower my effective rate so but you've got to be able to slow down and and really identify opportunities like that within your portfolio and and you can do that whether you've got a lot of money a little money what have you you've just got to sit down and be intentional about it i like what you said about the education around land and being able to recognize what is a good value uh as being you know, one of the, I would say, can be a problem with making a land investment is that if you don't have good people advising you, then you you may not know what you're looking at. Uh, we talk about it all the time. You jump on a, you know, a land for sale website and you put in some arbitrary filter like price per acre and you may be weeding out the very best property in the area just because you're so focused on saying under some price per acre, but heck, that thing may have be loaded with timber and and just about be paying for itself. And you know, you you've talked about being well stocked a couple of times, and obviously you're talking about timberland. Does all land combat inflation the same? Do you feel like you know? I mean, we're talking timber, and we deal a lot with timber and farms and things of that nature. But you know, do you find that different types of land may be more effective at beating inflation than another? Yeah. I mean, most of what we deal with, you know, in our part of the U.S. is somewhat of a dual investment for most buyers. There are stuff that's pure timber um, or pure farming, but um, typically what we've got, even on our larger sales, is somebody who is is a timber investor, uh, a farm-based agricultural investor, but it's also hunting on it, things like that, that carries a, a, a different you know, value range than just, you know, pure timber or farming investment. And where I see and have seen the most difference in that, and to answer your question, is if you've got certain tracks that have been overdeveloped in the last, you know, few years for recreation, 
you know, they put in a lot of lakes and big lodges and all this kind of stuff, but the soils out there can't do anything else. Like if you've got something that's got a lot of limey land that, that, you know, can barely be pasture or, or hay ground and it can't be versatile enough to go into timber or, or in a plantations, pine plantation setting, or go into agriculture for like row crop, things like that is locked into its current use. Those are the ones that struggle to really maintain that general arc that you see in land values over time. They still have it, but not as much as, you know, really good dirt that'll grow good timber or grow good crops or areas that are really in paths of growth of, of major metropolitan areas. So the ability to beat inflation, to be a safe harbor is heavily related to soil quality, site quality, and location. All right, folks, we'll be right back. Y'all take a minute and check out some of the businesses that make this show free for you every episode. Y'all check out some of our show sponsors, Texas Hunter. Since 1954, Texas Hunter Products has produced the best engineered and finest quality feeders and hunting blinds in the industry. The Texas Hunter brand has become synonymous with quality and durability. By sticking to premium standards, the company delivers tough, long-lasting products that meet the real-life needs of anglers and hunters across America. Their fish feeders, deer feeders, hunting blinds, and outdoor accessories are among the highest rated in the industry. You can trust that your purchase from Texas Hunter Products will meet your needs for generations to come. To learn more, visit TexasHunter.com. And also brought to you by the Hunter's Mate Lowdown Trail Cam Reviewer. Finally, a trail cam viewer that actually works. Lowdown's high-speed trail cam viewer has flipping fast technology that allows you to view images three times faster on a screen that is 60% bigger than typical 7-inch viewers. Lowdown is a dedicated viewer slash photo manager made for one thing and one thing only. Fast, uncomplicated viewing of your trail cam images and videos. Lowdown makes viewing large numbers of images fast and easy. It allows you to easily delete individuals or groups of selected images. Find out more at lowdownviewer.com. So Clint, what I'm hearing you say is really, it's not so much about timberland, farmland, recreational land. It's really about how versatile is that piece of land? Because if you've got a piece of ground that for you was a recreational site, but to uh, somebody who's interested in buying land purely for investment, it's a great timber investment. Uh, it's going to be able to hold its value, keep its value, grow uh, when it becomes time for you to sell it uh, in the future. The more versatility you have, the better you can weather that. Because it may be that if you're just if your piece of land has just one use and that's row cropping, and the price of the price of commodities is down when you want to sell, that could affect how well you did. Yeah. I mean, when you're left with no other choice but to sell as a way to, you know, change things up or diversify further, I think it does hold you up. You know, the one reason I like timberland over pure farm, I always like a mixed component, but if I can get it, that's just hard to get in our part of the world, is if you don't like what's going on with the timber market, you know, you've got a merchantable stand of timber, but prices are down 40% for whatever reason, it's really dry and the mills are full or something like that. You just wait. Uh, typically in a stand, you've got three to five years to wait before it starts really going backwards on you to thin it or clear cut it, whatever the case may be. So you just, you know, wait on that next cycle, whether that's a, a month or a year or what have you, you know, and you want to be working with a good consultant forest or somebody like that to keep you advised of the market and then take advantage of it when it comes. You don't have that kind of option when you got a field full of corn. You've got to harvest it. You know, if you've got a lease to a farmer, they've got a harvest. They can't wait. And, and, you know, you've got locked in lease rates, things like that. 
So you don't have that opportunity for upside. Now all, you know, farmland has held up great historically, but it's seen some big swings uh, in its value. Right now we're on an upswing still. You know, we, we've beaten market comps by well over 15%, 20% lately on pure row crop tracks uh, to the point that the banks are calling, you know, wanting to finance them, but worried that they can't make the appraisals work even though we've got confirmed sales all the way through because they just don't have any historically. But, you know, there have been times where we've had those big swings in the commodity market like you're talking about where you struggle to get some of that stuff moved. But, you know, usually what we see, especially in the Southeast, is we've got so little tillable land overall that it maintains its value pretty well either way. Now, you get into the Midwest, that can change. But you also get some 20 plus thousand dollar an acre row cop land, and that stuff just blows my mind. But those also have the big swings where they'll go down, come up. It's like a roller coaster. So you really need to be able to, if you're dealing with something that's not timberland that you can't just wait, this is important for all of it, but especially that kind of ground, you need to be, you know, hyper-focused and work with somebody that knows what's going on that can tell you not only when to sell, but when not to. That's probably the most important thing of any professional you work with in the land business, whether it's an agent or a forester or whomever. They needed to be able to tell you when to sit still and, you know, not just be so transaction driven that they're trying to force you into a place where you, you do something just so a fee can emerge for them. And if you're working with somebody that'll tell you to, to wait, they can really help you make the most out of your purchase or your sale or investment, whatever the case may be. I'm glad you bring that back up because what I've really heard you say uh, about investing in land as a way to beat inflation uh, is that you better have done your homework. I mean, we can kind of relate this back to rental properties and rental properties. The math on rental properties is pretty straightforward. You can usually look very close to that property and determine what kind of rent you're going to be able to get. And then you can make, there's always some good rules of thumb, you know, for what you think your expenses are going to be. And you hear it all the time. If you're in that, you know, the old adage of, 1% 1% of your your gross rents should be your your purchase price or however it goes. There's all these rules of, th- of thumb. But when it comes to land, it's just not that straightforward. Like we talk about on here all the time, there is no, if my purchase price is $150,000 and my monthly rent, you know, annually should be you know $15,000 or whatever it may be. So what kind of questions would you advise that a person who's working with a land professional what do they need to be grilling guys like me and you on? What do they need to be asking us so that they can determine if this guy understands his market well enough to put me into a property that's going to beat inflation? If I'm a buyer, I'm going to want to know, you know, what what is the timber inventory? Even if you don't have a cruise, you know, tell me about that inventory. Tell me about the age. Tell me about the stocking. Uh, when was it thinned? You know, any diameter classes, age classes, things like that that you have. And not every age is going to have that, but, you know, hopefully a seller will have that information. They can at least get pretty close on it. And if they can't, you can always go out there and, and do what's necessary to do that on site. Uh, you know, bore the trees, things like that, determine age classes. Because, you know, many times something is, is older than it looks because it hasn't been thinned because diameter is dictated by, by sunlight. So if it hasn't been thinned, it may still be 20 years old, but only have, you know, six and a half, seven inch diameter. Uh, whereas if it had been thinned at 15, you know, it may be 10. So I'm just using loose numbers here. But And if I'm a seller and I know I've got a lot of timber inventory, then I'm going to want to know what I've got. Because what I deal with a lot with sellers is they've got this big, beautiful stand of timber. They have no idea what it is. They have, you know, to them, it's a hunting property. So they don't, 
attach the value they should on the timber because they're never going to cut it. Well, even if you're not going to cut it, it still has value. You know, it's kind of like a house you don't use. It's still worth something. So being able to understand what you've got, you know, get a cruise if that's the best way to do it. At a minimum, get a few opinions of value. Uh, and those opinions should be fairly close. If they're not, that's more indication you do need to go ahead and invest in a timber cruise. Because uh, I've had some clients where we've made them additional, literally millions of dollars that they didn't know was there and would have sold it for less had we not done that. Had I not told them you need a cruise mm-hmm. because it was something that was so old and so diverse that it's not something that I am remotely qualified to eyeball and give you a price range on. And truly not qualified. None of us are qualified to do that at all. But when you see homogenous young pine plantations all the time, you can get somewhat close on that. But in reality, you need to have a consulting forester out there, give you that opinion to a cruise, whatever the case may be, uh, and make sure that you understand what you've got before you leave a lot of money on the table. And like you said, I mean, all and all that's very relevant, but it's changes, you know, from, from Dallas County to Barber County, it's, it's going to be different, different mills, different prices. I mean, there's a lot of things that could dictate what's good advice over there may not be good advice on the other side of the state. So yep. again, I, I want to be upfront here is we're not just talking about this as it pertains to you and I, as, as land professionals, you buy land and you rely on people to give you good advice in areas you're not familiar with. And, you know, I mean, we're not always the expert in every area. So how do you determine if a person not at necessarily even the land professional consultant forester. How do you determine if they really know the market dynamics in a given location? Typically I'm going to ask for some information on what the market's doing, meaning like active competing tracks. If there are any, what it's done historically, go back and, and pull some data for the years of coming in this. Uh, and then anything that's specific that I may not be aware of, like a meal coming in or a new school or, you know, whatever the context is, the, um, Things like that, that that may not be evident that are going to contribute to values in the future. You know, if I'm buying a really big recreational track where I'm going to be really focused on quality management that I'm going to kind of know, you know, average land sizes in the area as much as I can about harvest, you know, deer harvest information, things like that. Where, And we don't always know that, but you want to have some kind of idea so that you're not the only guy doing it. Because when you've got a, a you know a neighborhood, so to speak, of other landowners that are like-minded, you tend to achieve your goals faster. And that goes on everything from from timber to deer. So, you know, if, if everybody's growing pine and, and you're the only hardwood guy that can be good and bad, depending on what's going on with the market. So as we kind of wrap this discussion up on, on beating inflation, I want to talk about three people, buyers, sellers, and investors, and really just kind of leave everybody with some advice uh, for the, the period ahead until we start to see some some change in what's going on. Let's start with the buyers out there. If you're a buyer right now, uh, what kind of advice do you have for them uh, as someone who's trying to purchase land and beat inflation, but also meet the rest of their goals? Yeah. And and to clarify for me what the difference is between a buyer and an investor is, because they're all, they're all investments, is buyers going to use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're going to be out there with their family. They're going to be hunting it, you know, whatever. They're, they're not going to be, you know, buy it and never look at it again. Um, an investor is more in that mindset where it's, it's just a, a widget to be bought and sold as an investment, pure investment. So if I'm a buyer, first and foremost, I'm going to make sure that it meets my needs, uh, whether those are, are recreation or what have you. I'm going to dig in about, you know, local values, 
historical values, things like that, learn as much as I can about the area and the neighbors. And then again, understand the what's standing out there as far whether that's timber inventory, uh, farm rents, soil types, what can the soils do if I choose to take a different direction, things like that. And then really just make sure that that is going to be a place that I'm going to be. Am I going to be there one year, five years? What's my investment horizon? Because it helps you make a decision on which one that you're going to be there the longest, uh, as opposed to something short, and you're going to upgrade to you know larger acreage for whatever reason you might resell. The more you plan ahead, the better your results are going to be in both the short and long term. All right, let's move it to the investor. Again, this is the guy who is going to buy that piece of land, but he's not buying it for his own use. Buying it because he's hoping and planning on it providing him a good return uh, when he sells it in the future or throughout his ownership. What's your advice to investors uh, in an inflationary period? You want to make sure that you understand why, again, price justification, like we talked about as a buyer, understanding what's going on, what has been going on. Uh, you want to know about that inventory to the T. You know, when am I going to see the most amount of money in the shortest amount of time? Like just using pine plantation as an example, that was typically mid-rotation, you know, in that 15 to 25-year-old range. Uh, so where am I in that that time frame? Lease rates, are you getting, is there a hunting lease? Is there a farm lease? Is there carbon credit lease? Is there CRP? Anything like that that creates a revenue stream or can create a revenue stream, uh, conservation easements, anything like that, what's there now? Uh, how, has it been maximized? Uh, and what other opportunities are there that, that haven't been utilized or they're not uh, at market rates? And I would think also, too, you got to be keying in on it. Is this property going to transition? Um, you see it a lot down here along the coast, but like you said earlier, you know, if it's in the path of development, but also, I mean, understanding things like solar, uh, is, is this going to be an opportunity that's just not there? It's not being currently utilized by that landowner who has it now. Uh, and, and this could be an opportunity for you sellers. If you've got land and you've bought well, and regardless of if you've got it financed or not, I mean, you're beating inflation uh, by owning that land. So why would you sell right now? Again, understanding historical trends. First and foremost, you know, you need to understand your goals. Why would I be a seller or why would I be a buyer? Because many times a seller is a seller of one parcel and the buyer of another. So first and foremost, have, have as clear goals as you can. Why are you selling? Is it to you know buy a bigger track, you know get a better deal, what have you, uh, take advantage of this market? But you know first and foremost, most sellers want to know what their return is going to be, what that sales price is going to be. And right now, the reason I would sell is because we're still seeing really strong demand, quick timelines to contract and close much faster than we saw, you know, five plus years ago on average. Prices are up in most places. You know, from a buying standpoint, they're not so high that you just want to sit back and wait, but they're still high enough because of the lack of inventory and competition that it's a great time to be a seller. So that's the main thing I'm looking for is make sure that I'm achieving my goals. I understand what I've got, understand the true value of it, and then make that decision of whether or not I need to capitalize on that the market conditions now or wait. Well, Clint, this is uh, it's a lot to try to cover in a short podcast. But the reality of it is, like like we talked about uh, earlier, is that every location is different. Every piece of land is different. 
I kind of love it when people say, is now a good time? The answer is yes, it's always a good time to do whatever it is you want to do if if it's a good time with that with that property. I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. you can find a deal in any market. You can find a deal at any interest rates. You can find a deal when it's inflationary, deflationary, uh, but not everything's a deal and not everything's a good buy. And you just have to be willing to do the homework. It takes looking at a lot of properties to figure out to find that one, you know, that one out of a hundred that, that is going to meet what you want, everything you want, but they are out there. Um, and it may be that it's going to happen three months from now or six months from now, the more you look at it, the easier it gets Too. uh, what I really took away from, from what you were talking about today really is land is going to beat inflation, but you better do your homework and make sure you find the piece that accomplishes everything you are looking for because you know you can find the best investment grade piece but if it if recreation is really your goal and it's not meeting that you may want to sell before it's really a good time for that piece of property and and then you may not beat inflation uh if you gotta sell or if you jump into buying something too fast because you just i mean i hear it every year you know i mean i really want to get something purchased before hunting season it's like, well, I know that that's what you want, and I would like it if that's what will happen, but that doesn't necessarily mean that what you want is out there and you're going to find it before hunting season. Rushing into it is not necessarily going to help you meet your goals. That's right. And, you know, everything's site-specific, you know, but this is a conversation, you know, we have weekly over and over and over and, you know, just helping people understand if it's the, the best time to make that jump once we understand their goals. Guys, let's take a quick break and hear from this week's sponsors. This segment was brought to you by the Alabama Ag Credit. Buying rural property isn't the same as buying in town. If you're in the market to purchase your own piece of paradise or need an operating line for your farm, give our friends at Alabama Ag Credit a call. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, they can help you with everything from homes and land to tractors and crops, because sometimes natural resources need financial resources, and while some lenders don't get it, they do. Learn more by visiting alabamaagcredit.com. And also by Southern Seed and Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients to your deer? If so, try Southern Buck Food Plot Blends. Your deer will love it. At Southern Seed and Feed, they specialize in making textured feed for horses, cattle, sheep, goats, hogs, chickens, small animals, and wildlife. Their products are proven irresistible, scientifically formulated to promote excellent herd health and hunter satisfaction. They supply products to various distributors throughout the South. So visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Appreciate you joining us. We want to make it easy for you to listen. So here's a handy option for you to get the podcast emailed to you each week. Just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. Again, just text the word hunting to 773-770-4377. You'll join our email list. And wherever you are listening to the podcast, go ahead, subscribe, rate, and review. Send us a written review. We'd love to hear from you. If you've got a show topic that you are interested in and like to see us cover, just email us at pros at landhunting.com. That's going to do it for us. Y'all stay safe out there. We'll talk to you next time. 
This week's Unlamped show is brought to you by Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks are proud to be your metal roofing headquarters for over 40 years. Save time and money by buying from the most reliable manufacturer on the Gulf Coast. They now have eight locations to serve you. Dixie Supply and Baker Metalworks, your metal roofing headquarters, and also Southern Seed Feed. Do you want to provide better nutrients for your deer? Check out Southern Buck. Your deer will love it. Visit their website at southernseedfeed.com or call 662-726-2638 to find the dealer nearest you. Mallard Bay Outdoors. Book your next guided hunting or fishing trip with thoroughly vetted guides or charters. Built by sportsmen for sportsmen. Mallardbay.com. Bucks Island Marine. Bucks Island is a full-service facility that sells new and used boats and motors. Visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside Alabama, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. MB Ranch King. MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. Call Kevin today for more information or a quote at 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And also Alabama Ag Credit. If you're in the market to purchase your own piece of paradise or need an operating line for your farm, learn more by visiting alabamaagcredit.com. 